0: Why are so many Americans dying early? Dr. Pierre Corey is highlighting a jump in death rates in young people and a decrease in death rates in older Americans. He breaks it down in a new op-ed published by The Hill. This follows the FDA commissioner's recent tweet saying, quote, we are facing extraordinary headwinds in our public health with a major decline in life expectancy. The major decline in the U.S. is not just a trend. It's described as catastrophic, he said. Not only that, but this fall, the CDC abruptly archived its webpage that tracked excess deaths associated with COVID-19. Why would they do that when a triple demic was predicted this winter? In his op-ed, Dr. Corey looks at death data from the Society of Actuaries showing old people died at a 6% lower rate this spring than pre-pandemic levels. Meanwhile, deaths among 35 to 44 year olds jumped a whopping 26% this spring and deaths amongst 25 to 34-year-olds were up a whopping 19% this spring compared to pre-pandemic levels. Here to join me is the author of the op-ed himself, founder of the FLCCC, Dr. Pierre Cory. Great to have you on.
1: Thanks, Ivory. Good to be here.
0: Yeah, so the FDA commissioner, when he's highlighting these these suddenly younger deaths. He is blaming smoking and bad diet as the cause. Do you agree with him? Or what do you think is? No,
1: that's ludicrous. Ivory. I mean, smoking and bad diet did not suddenly just explode in the third quarter of 21 uh, and is continuing today. I mean, we see the spike. There's a temporal association. Something happened in the middle of covid uh, that, you know, thou shalt not speak its name. But, you know, we have to get to the bottom of this and and they're not helping. They're not being transparent with the data. Um, We have the data where we could definitively answer it. And it's just not happening happening and it's it's terrible. I mean the scale of dying is incredible. In the 9 months, you know, as I wrote in the op-ed in the 9 months of this year, it's like 158,000 Americans died more than expected. That's more than all wars combined since Vietnam.
0: Wow. That's incredible. And I think in the op-ed you also mentioned that other nations like the UK are also investigating an increased death rate in those areas. what's what's
1: yeah this is not unique to the united states at all there's a number of countries with uh huge spikes in excess mortality all timed around the same time i I saw an article on the philippines yesterday and so there's a number of countries starting to look uh, hard at this question and that's kind of the point of my op-ed is that we need to look at this i mean it's one thing for the fda chief to tweet this catastrophic decline but then to just come up with some you know dismissive reasons as to why it's happening without a full investigation is, is not helpful
0: Wow. So I'm I'm sure all the audience is thinking this is probably associated with vaccines. Um, what's your thoughts on that?
1: That's that's one thing that we actually put in the op-ed. And what's interesting is that op-ed got published in, in a major center left publication in Washington, D.C. And it seems like. The appetite to address this kind of question, maybe actually entertain, uh, you know, what what did these vaccines do? Because to me, it seems the most likely explanation when you look at the timing and who it's hitting. I mean, it's hitting the youngest employed and uh those with life insurance. This is this is traditionally the youngest sector of society. They don't typically die of sudden spikes in, in drug overdose or or any of the other things that you see they're, they're young and healthy and they're dying at rates we've never seen before.
0: Wow. And I suppose it's just crazy to me that the older population there, less of them are dying now, but I I suppose the logic is that many of them died of COVID in the pandemic.
1: Exactly. And so, and that's the other thing, right? In order to crater the U S life expectancy from 79 to 76, simple arithmetic tells you who's dying, right? It's not the 80 year olds <laughs> that wouldn't change the life expectancy, right? It's, it's, it's absurdly young people. And you, you cited the, the rises in like the 25 to 34 and then, you know, 35 to 44 age groups. I mean, th- those are unprecedented rises.
0: Wow. So I got to ask you, how did you get this into The Hill mainstream publication, your articles in The Hill? How did they accept this? They've been in blackout over this issue.
1: Yeah, well, I have a colleague who, you know, Mary Beth is a professional writer. She's an investigative journalist. And so we write well and we get a little help. And, you know, we've we've approached a number of uh, mainstream media outlets over the last couple of years. I've written probably 15 or 17 op eds in major media, but generally consistently on, you know, like you point out, like on the right side of the aisle. And for whatever reason, the Hill was particularly interested with the argument we put forth. I think they recognize that this is a true public health crisis uh, that we need to address as a society. And and they can see that it's not happening. I mean, our health agencies, you know, it, the system is broken. I mean, most, so much of the data that we found out about COVID has to be gotten through FOIA. I mean, these are public health agencies that their literal mission, their their one job really is to collect data and make it publicly available so that we can, you know, take steps and take guidance to protect our health. And they're not doing that.
0: Wow. Well, I'm glad it's getting out there into the mainstream. Uh, it's really sad to see so many young people dying. Dr. Corey, thank you so much for joining us today. A shocking new poll finds that one in five voters admits to mail-in voter fraud in the 2020 election. The poll conducted by the Heartland Institute and Rasmussen Reports found, quote, one in five voters who cast mail-in ballots during the 2020 presidential election admit to participating in at least one kind of voter fraud. Unbelievable. Well, according to the results of the poll, 17% of mail-in voters admit that in 2020, they voted in a state where they are not no longer a permanent resident. 21% of mail-in voters admitted that they filled out a ballot for a friend or family member. 17% of mail-in voters said they signed a ballot for a friend or family member, quote, with or without his permission. 8% of likely voters said that they were offered pay or a reward for voting in 2020. 10% of respondents, not just those who voted by mail, claimed that they know a friend, family member or coworker, or other acquaintance who has admitted that he or she cast a mail-in ballot in 2020 in a state other than his or her state of permanent residence. Keep in mind that 43% of 2020 voters cast ballots by mail. There were approximately 155 million ballots cast in the 2020 presidential election of that would mean more than 66 million people voted by mail. One in five of 66 million would amount to potentially more than 13 million ballots that were illegally cast. But they say 2020 was the safest and most secure election in history. Well, in September of 2020, then Attorney General Bill Barr, you guys, this is two months before the election, he warned of the mail and voting vulnerabilities during an appearance on CNN, watch.
1: by Jimmy Carter and James Baker said back in 2009 that mail-in voting is fraught with the risk of fraud and coercion. But since then, and there and have been I have improved it. Let me talk. Yeah, please. Uh, and since this, since that time, there have been in the newspapers, in networks, academic studies saying it is open to fraud and coercion. The only time the narrative changed is after this administration came in. But elections that have been held with mail have found substantial fraud and coercion. For example, we indicted someone in Texas, 1,700 ballots collected he ma- from people who ha- could vote. He made them out and voted for the person he wanted to. OK? Because that kind of thing happens with mail-in ballots.
0: President Trump shared the link to the poll results on Truth Social last night writing quote, this is the biggest story of the year and Republicans must do something about it. Here to discuss this is Heartland Editorial Director Chris Talgo joining us today. Chris, great to be with you.
2: Hey, great to be here.
0: So your Heartland Institute conducted this poll, it's just so mind boggling to hear that one in five people would admit to that sort of crime. How was this poll conducted?
2: So we uh, used Resmussen reports and uh, conducted the poll via um, telephone and uh, Internet. And it was about just over a thousand people. And the responses, they speak for themselves. And, you know, one of the things that I think is interesting is now that we are a couple of years out from the election, you know, we're three years out, I think people are probably much more willing to be honest with their answers as to if we had done the poll immediately after. So I think, you know, the fact that it's been three years, you know, that people are much more willing to actually be honest when they're asked, hey, did you fill out the poll or on behalf of someone else or, you know, any of those kind of shenanigans. So I think that the fact that we waited a couple of years actually makes the poll uh, more credible.
0: And I I would Guess that a lot of Americans don't actually know election code. Most Americans don't know what is the intricate law of elections. You know, if my relative needs help filling out their ballot, is that legal? Or if I, if I got a copy of a ballot from my old address, is that legal? Do you think most people even understand whether, whether these things are legal?
2: I think there's probably a question whether they do or do not. But I think what we've what we uh, found out was that a lot of this was done blatantly. So a lot of the times, what we noticed or what the poll found was that people were filling out uh ballots that were not even theirs. So like, for example, I lived in South Carolina for many years, and I you know, recently moved back to my home state of Illinois. But I never actually asked the state of South Carolina, please take me off your voter roll. So for all I know, in twenty twenty election, Whoever lived in in the place that I used to live possibly got mailed a ballot with my name on it. And all they had to do was just fill it out, sign my name, and and put it into a drop box. And there you've got to vote. They didn't check uh, signature verifications. They they did away with so many of the uh, things that were necessary to make sure that mail-in ballots are, are, are actually who the person say they are. And what we found was uh, during the primary elections in New York and in Pennsylvania— Almost 20 percent of their mail-in ballots. This was for the primary, for the Democratic primary, uh, were were rejected. However, in the 2020 general election, less than one percent of all the mail-in ballots were rejected. And states such as Nevada went out of their way to do away with many of the uh, hurdles that are put in place to make sure that the mail-in ballot is actually coming from the person who is supposed to be uh, voting in that, you know, in that particular ballot.
0: So if, if the rejection of ballots just went away, do you think people were just turning a blind eye, election officials suddenly turning a blind eye to fraudulent balance purposely, purposely?
2: Oh, absolutely. You know, the Constitution says that only state legislatures can make uh, changes to, uh, to elections. However, under the guise of the COVID-19 pandemic, we had a bunch of uh, governors, we had a bunch of uh, secretaries of states go around the state legislature and say, well, it's an emergency and therefore we're going to do this, this and the other thing, whether it's ballot harvesting, whether it's drop boxes, whether it's mass mail uh, mail uh, uh, ballots. And that actually was uh, against the law. And after the fact, so many courts came in and said, yeah, retroactively, this was illegal. But hey, you know what? The, the votes were already cast and the election was already called. So it's one of those things, you know, voter fraud is not uh, easy to uh to to prove in real time it's a, it's usually after the fact you know years later that you can actually go back and look at them and say hey you know we think that the you know these ballots were were faulty but you know th- the election was was uh you know done so haphazardly and so many if you remember correctly uh, places like in Michigan where they put those uh you know those those uh papers over the over the windows so you couldn't even see what was going on in there and, you know, there was no transparency. And now we know after the fact that people are admitting, hey, yeah, I, I, you know, voted fraudulently.
0: Wow. So in your poll, did you guys ask people to indicate whether they voted for Trump or Biden?
2: Yeah, we did. And what we found out was much more uh, percentage of uh, Biden voters voted by mail. So even though uh, the mail-in ballots, the people who did uh uh, mail in their ballots said about about you know the, the equal amount of Republicans and Democrats that they were fraudulently voting. The sheer number of ballots that Joe Biden received through the mail dwarfed President Trump. So, if you just uh, extrapolate the numbers, what you're going to see is that uh, we came up with a figure and it's something like you know 9 million uh people who voted for Joe Biden uh through the mail, and we'll just never know, we will never know. If they uh, voted uh, fairly or fraudulently.
0: Wow. So in your poll, if you're asking who voted for Trump, who voted for Biden out of those people, um, out of the people who admitted to fraud, was it mainly Trump voters or Biden voters?
2: It was a much more high uh, percentage of Biden voters because, once again, Biden received so many more mail-in ballots than Trump did. You know, as we both know, Republicans tend to vote on Election Day in person. Democrats tend to vote uh, much more in the lead up to the elections because now we have, you know, early voting and the mail-in balloting was, uh, you know, much more uh, ahead of the election. And if you remember on election night, there were uh, several states, Pennsylvania in particular, where the mail-in ballots were uh, counted last. And on election day, Trump had a pretty, pretty sizable lead in several of these states, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and several others. However, once they finally un- undid the uh, mail-in bo- uh, votes, the mail-in votes were overwhelmingly in favor of Joe Biden. And I remember many people at the time were saying, hey, wait a second, this kind of doesn't really, you know, pass the smell test here because you would think that the votes, uh, the mail-in votes would basically be half and half. But no, they were overwhelmingly in favor of Biden, which goes to show that it's highly likely and the Biden voters even admitted that they were more likely to fraudulently cast a vote, uh, whether it's voting on behalf of someone else or, like I said earlier, uh, you know, voting in a state in which they didn't actually live or receiving a ballot in the mail that was not theirs, but they just signed it and threw it in a drop box. And there's another ballot cast for Joe Biden.
0: Wow, this is a huge deal. And Trump said last night, Republicans need to do something about this. After your poll came out, have you heard from any of our political leaders uh, reaching out to you with interest in this poll?
2: We've we've gotten a lot of uh, media uh Uh, requests. And uh, we haven't, I don't think we've actually gotten uh, any, any uh, requests uh, to meet uh, from legislators. But I think that this is, you know, just, just, you know, uh, happening now. The poll was released yesterday and, uh, you know, it's, it's getting a lot of attention. It's getting a lot of airplay. And, uh, you know, President Trump, uh, I think is is doing the right thing by putting it out there and showing, Hey, everybody, you know, it's so sad that during the, uh, you know, aftermath of the 2020 election, you were not allowed to question it. You were literally not allowed to. I mean, people were, you know, ostracized if they were to do that. However, you know, it, it, it it's it, it we have to be able to question, you know, elections. We have to be able to question everything. And, you know, the second part of our poll talks about freedom of speech. And uh it was it was very interesting to find out that they've 48 percent, one in two Democrats think that anyone in the media who questioned the 2020 election should either go to jail or or not be able to be in the media or have a public speaking platform at all anymore
0: yeah it's, that's concerning well the media's Very. done a good job of making people who ask questions look like maniacs and uh, it's unfortunate that consumers of the media just go along with that uh but wow what a poll! well hopefully you will get hopefully you will hear from legislatures who can actually do something about their election laws based on your poll
3: Chris, Talbo,
2: uh, 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 thank you so we'll, much. We'll for make just one, one more quick point. Uh, you know, one of the things sure. we do, we're a, a, a think tank, a public policy think tank. We work in all the 50 states. Immediately after the election, what we did was we, uh, you know, reached out to every single state legislature and gave them model legislation is how to make their uh, elections, you know, more secure. Some, as you know, some red states have passed uh, laws to make sure that the elections are more secure. However, many blue states have gone the opposite direction, you know saying voter ID is racist, you know, saying anything that that makes sure that the uh, the integrity of the vote is as clean as possible, they want to do away with. So, you know, and and we also see some uh, places in California where they even are having illegal immigrants vote in elections. So this is something that, you know, is going to be, I think, on uh, people's radars for many years to come. We've got an election coming up here in, you know, less than a year. Probably going to be a rematch between Trump and Biden. And uh, I think the American people need to make sure that the 2024 election is as safe and secure as possible. The best way to do that is to encourage people to vote in person. Please, state legislatures, don't encourage ballot harvesting. Don't encourage drop boxes. We all know that that leads to fraud. And we all know that the best way to make sure that an election is uh, free and fair is for people to vote in person. It's common sense.
0: Absolutely. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, I've talked to, um, politicians in states where mail and vo- mail and voting is statewide, places like Washington state. And the, it's actually, um, ballot harvesting is actually legal there. Correct. And people, yep. uh, people from the Republican party have told me that they're planning on doing more ballot harvesting. In Washington, because the Democrats are doing it, and if it's legal, the Democrats are doing it, then they're going to win. So Republicans better get in on that stuff, even though oh, a- Republicans absolutely,
2: shady. absolutely. Wow. I think yeah, I think I think one of the things we did learn from the twenty twenty election is hey, wait a second, if they are not going to play by the rules, you know, and they're going to change the rules, well then we need to make sure that we are doing whatever we can to you know to play within the new rules of the game that they are you know setting. So in many states, like in Oregon you know, they basically just mass mail ballots to everybody. And, you know, the Republican Party does need to make sure that we are, you know, on top of that and that we are encouraging uh, people to mail and, you know, vote if that's what that state is recommending that they do.
0: Wow. What a time to be alive. Well, Chris Talgo, thank you so much for coming on and being with us from the Heartland Institute. Thank you so much. InfoWars reporter Owen Schroyer is detailing his horrific stay in prison after our federal government locked him up for speech crimes. He appeared on Pucker Carlson Uncensored on Tuesday to discuss his time in Biden's Gulag. Schroer was sentenced to 60 days in prison for his spoken words. On the day of January 6th, Capitol protests, he actually stood outside the Capitol and warned Trump supporters not to enter the building, but he also shouted, quote, death to tyranny. And prosecutors didn't like that, even though he didn't enter the Capitol. He was charged on a technicality. Prosecutors claimed that he violated an agreement that he'd signed not to utter, quote, loud, threatening, abusive language following an incident in 2019 when he was arrested for attending a congressional meeting, then disrupting it by jumping up and shouting. So his official charge for January 6th was a class A misdemeanor of entering and remaining in a restricted building or grounds. The grounds is where he was at. So after two Nearly two years of legal battles with government prosecutors, he volunteered to plead guilty to a lesser charge. He alleges that some prison officials told him that the top DOJ officials wanted to make an example of him. He shared his concerns that they could be targeted against, again, for more jail time for exercising his First Amendment rights. Watch. Watch.
4: I can tell you the details of my stay. They're pretty much horrific, Tucker. I spent the majority of the time in lockdown. I went right out of solitary confinement into what's called a special housing unit for a phone call I made thanking people for sending me mail. People that were in jail for decades, some of the people that worked inside the prison for decades, when they saw that, what's called a shot in the prisons, they said, I've never seen anybody get punished for this before. So I got sent to prison as a speech prisoner And then I got sent to the prison inside the prison for my speech. And, you know, I had a couple off the record conversations with people while I was in there. And basically they were saying the same thing like, look, Owen, we don't like what's been done to you here. But these are orders coming from the very top. Your beef isn't with us here at this prison. Your beef is with the people at the top. They're the ones still coming after you even when you're in here. And I'll leave it at that. So nobody's ever heard of a misdemeanor in a federal, repris- a federal prison until me. Nobody's ever heard of somebody going to the special housing unit for making a phone call, thanking people for mail until me. And so I don't know why they want to make an example of me so much, except that I just speak the truth and I'll say it right to their face if I'm given the opportunity. But we need prison reform in this country badly, Tucker.
0: Unbelievable. Well, here to join me by phone is Silk of Diamond and Silk. Silk, I got to ask you, what on earth is going on with our criminal
3: justice system? Uh, you know, to be honest with you, I believe that it is straight up corrupt. The justice system is a tiered justice system. It is corrupt. We have a constitutional right to uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We have our First Amendment right, which is freedom of speech. We have a right to protest, and we have a right to protest what we deem as a fraudulent election. If we have grievances, we should be able to protest against what we think is wrong. That's just the bottom line. And people should not be getting locked up. Laws should not be getting misapplied to individuals just to lock them up. This is nothing but merely a bully tactic. That's all it is. is—is a bully tactic to, to silence people, free will, to speak freely because of the speech that they hate. Because we don't fit their status quo or their narrative. They want to shut us down and censor us and so this is just a way to bully the people so that the next election that they uh, uh i feel will probably try to still guess what they will want to keep you silent and you'll be scared somewhere uh hiding scared to speak out and spare and scared to exercise your first amendment right which is free speech wow good point hopefully
0: People do not get intimidated by these examples that are being made. We keep seeing examples being made of people. The latest appears to be Owen Shore, But hopefully the American people will stay courageous and stand up for what's right. But Silk, it is great to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Wow, thank you for having me.